Hello, this is John Thurman, and today I'm going to be sharing 25 stress-busting strategies with you as we spend some time together. You know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that men and women are continually being bombarded by stress. Whether you're married, single, young, or old, stress is an ever-present challenge. Stress-related illnesses are on the rise, and have you noticed how many sleep aid commercials there are on television? As a matter of fact, they also go on to report that 40 million Americans struggle with some type of anxiety disorder. In addition, anxiety disorders cost the United States more than $42 billion, that's B with a billion, $42 billion a year. That's one-third of the country's $148 billion mental health bill. Maybe one of the things we can do to stimulate the economy is learn how to manage stress, anxiety, and worry in a better, more effective way. So while we can't make anxiety and stress go away, there are some practical things we can do to, first of all, reduce stress, resist anxiety, and build resilience. With that in mind, let's begin with the 25 stress-busting strategies. Number one, quit whining and start smiling. There have been numerous articles in different magazines everywhere from Red Book to Psychology Today to journals that talk about the power of optimism. And it doesn't mean we go around living in some type of Pollyanna denial, but that we can choose happiness, we can choose joy, and we can choose optimism, we can choose hope. The second stress-busting strategy is remember the lyrics to one of your favorite songs. As long as it isn't Johnny Cash's song, Pain, you should be okay. Now, danger, if you tend to be humming some little ditty from The Captain and Tennille or Donnie and Marie, well, you might want to give me a call. You may be stuck in the in the 70s and 80s. And yet, when you listen to some of that old music that has a special meaning to you, it does have a way to soothe you, to relax you, and help you go to another place. Number three, the third stress-busting strategy is unwind online. There's a great site, www.stressremedy.com, that features Dr. Jay Winter. He does a six-minute long relaxation exercise. It's free. If you've got internet access, put your buds in your ear, turn it on, and dial it back. There's several other resources on the web that you can use to help you dial back that anxiety to lower that worry and stress. Number four, remember it's not about you. So many times we get worried and anxious and worked up over things that uh, we have no control over. Research indicates that as much as 95% of what we worry about will never happen. Now, if you tend to be a chronic worrier, I can hear you right now going, John, I'm the 5% it will happen to. Well, remember, it's not about you. What can happen with worry, anxiety, and stress is we tend to personalize those feelings, and then we tend to internalize those feelings, and they can really hijack our peace, comfort, and serenity. And so remember, it's not about you. Number five, this is a great one. Hold your wife or husband, boyfriend, or girlfriend's hand. Safe touch is a tremendous tool to lower stress. If you ever watch a mom with her babies or with her children, if they're a little bit worked up, anxious, or scared, mother holds the child, and what happens to the child? The child relaxes. And men, your women will not mind it if you just hold her hand, particularly if there's nothing attached to it. Safe touch is huge. Appropriate touch, hand-holding, hugging, things like that can be practical things you can do to lower stress, anxiety, and worry. The one hint I would give you is if you do it like that, if you do hug or hold someone's hand to help calm them down, stay in the moment. Don't expect anything from it. Just make that a gift. Also, when you give to others, it lowers your own stress. 
Number six, this one's been around for thousands of years. Not too many people practice it. It's been a proven source of stress relief, stress management. It's been a proven way to lower stress, worry, and anxiety. And that's to pray and to meditate. Pray means just make your petitions, your requests, your needs known to God. And meditate is that idea of being silent, on reflecting on the scripture, on reflecting on a quality of God, maybe his mercy, maybe his grace, maybe his presence, maybe his purpose. Prayer and meditation cause you to breathe deeper. They cause your heart rate to slow down and more oxygen to get in your blood. If you're looking for a place to start, the 23rd Psalm is a great psalm to read. And what you do is you go to that psalm in your Bible, and you can use an online version if you like, and read it slowly. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. Just that type of pace helps you begin to meditate. And as you meditate, you'll find your brain slows down, your heart rate slows down, and you feel that stress melt away. Number seven, it's one of the cheapest things you can do to lower stress in your life, and yet it's so practical. And that is, remove your grungy shower curtain. Yeah, you heard me right. If that shower curtain's kind of outlived its life, go down to Bed Bath & Beyond, Walmart, Kohl's, Kmart, I don't care where you go, and get you a brighter color. Get you a shower curtain that's got some pizzazz in it. Having that color in the early morning has a way of brightening up our day. And if I feel brighter, if I feel better, if I feel like there's some color in my life, if I start off in the morning with that bright, maybe even almost tacky shower curtain, I feel better my stress is lowered. Number eight, admit you are wrong and then tell the person you hurt. That's a tough one because in our culture, we love to find a way to blame someone else. That's one of the things we as therapists struggle with from time to time with clients is trying to help them move away from the harm that someone did them and figure out what they're going to go do with it. I can look in that rearview mirror all my life and blame my mother, my father, my brother, my sister, or my great aunt Sadie for how my life turned out. But bottom line, I'm responsible. So I need to admit I was wrong and tell the person I hurt. What does that mean? Well, my friend, an ethicist, Dr. Jack Allen, says this. When you realize you've made a mess in a relationship, in a business deal, or with a kid, admit, first of all, to yourself you've made a mess. Secondly, confess that mess. If you hurt your wife, tell her. If you hurt your child, if you were verbally sharp with them, tell them. If you were negative to your husband, boyfriend, or girlfriend, tell them. So the first thing you need to do is embrace that mess, own the mess, admit to yourself you made a mess. The second thing you need to do is confess the mess. And it might be something like this, like if it's a girlfriend, a wife, or boyfriend. It may be something like this. Honey, only now am I realizing that I hurt you the other day when I said this. I can see now that it really hurt you. It caused you to shut down, and I was wrong. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? So, own the mess, confess the mess, and clean your mess up by going to the person you hurt and asking them to forgive you. I tell you, living with a clear conscience with nobody's hurts in your heart and mind, nobody that you feel like you can blame, when you live that type of life where you don't have any ill will towards anybody, it lowers your stress, lowers your anxiety, and increases your optimism. Number nine, we see athletes do this every Saturday and Sunday on television or at high school games, and we saw it this summer in the Olympics. Shake it off. 
You've seen athletes limber up by shaking their arms and legs, moving their neck from side to side. Part of what that does is that shakes the muscles up and gets oxygen into areas that don't normally get oxygen. So by shaking it up and shaking it off, it actually helps release stress because you get more blood flow into your small and large muscles. It's a great little tool. Just be careful where you do it because some of your friends, neighbors, and relatives might wonder what's going on. So shake it off. Number 10, go to Starbucks or someplace with friends. It can be a dessert place. It can be coffee. It can be a restaurant. And yet the research tells us over and over and over again, having friends, having accountability, having someone to bounce things off of is one of the best ways that you can reduce stress, manage worry, and have a sense of purpose in your life. There's something about coming together with friends in communication, in conversation, and doing things together that lowers your stress, lowers your worry, and makes you feel more connected. For what coffee costs today, it's still cheaper than therapy to go someplace with a group of friends and share your life. Number 11, forgive someone who hurt you. That's right, I said it. Forgive someone who hurt you. You see, the only one who pays the price of unforgiveness is you. As you rehearse the hurts, as you call to mind how that person injured you, hurt you, put you down, put you in a bad place, as you rehearse that, you never win, do you? You always re-experience that hurt and that injury. And so by rehearsing the hurt, you end up paying the price of unforgiveness. Now, Dr. Everett Worthington is a professor at the Commonwealth of Virginia, the University of the Commonwealth of Virginia. Several years ago, he wrote a, an academic treatment of forgiveness. And then after the academic treatment, he wrote a more popular book dealing with the whole idea of forgiveness. And Everett came up with a four-step process for forgiving. Step one, acknowledge you need to forgive. That doesn't mean those feelings are going to start right now, but it means that at least I'm acknowledging the fact that I need to forgive this person for hurting me. Maybe it's a former boyfriend or girlfriend. Maybe it's a parent or a coworker that hurt you, and they willfully hurt you, lied to you, cheated, whatever they did. They did it willingly, and it did hurt you. The first thing you need to do is be willing to forgive. The second thing you need to do is to come to terms with how much their offense hurt you. And once again, we're not going to be rehearsing the hurt. We want to be aware of how deeply that person hurt me by what they did to me. Not to go back and relive all the pain of it, but to be very aware of how their choices to injure me or hurt me really damaged me. Now you have to be careful because many times we like to kind of build a tent there. We like to build a temple to the wound and worship the wound. And you have to be careful because if, if you just focus on that old hurt, it's like you're living your life stuck in the rearview mirror, always looking back and never looking ahead. So the first step, acknowledge you need to forgive. The second step is go ahead and feel that hurt so you can really identify what it is you need to forgive. Number three, this is hard. Try to get your head around what the other person must have been thinking when they hurt you. This is not to make excuses. It's to try to understand what was going on in their head. Everett Worthington's mother was killed by two young boys who broke into her house, and this was shortly after he finished the book. And Ev said, you know, I had to practice my own teachings on forgiveness. I had to be willing to forgive them. I had to come to the terms with the fact that they had taken my mother from me. And then I had to try to get inside their head to figure out what was going on to cause them to do this heinous crime. 
It's hard to do. You can Google Dr. Everett Worthington and check his books out. He's got some really great materials out there. But number three is to try to understand what was going on in the offending party's mind. We're not doing that to make excuses. We're just trying to understand. And then the fourth thing you need to do is forgive and release. See, we've acknowledged the hurt. We've acknowledged the pain. We've tried to understand what the other person has done and why they did it. And then we need to release it. Because if I hold on to it, I pay that price of unforgiveness. And I allow that hurt to get a hold on me. And I don't know about you, but I don't want what someone else did to me to determine my life. You see, we have an option. I can choose to stay a victim. I can learn to become a survivor with the goal of being an overcomer. That's a great way to release stress in your life. Number 12, you'll love this one. Go to church. Really, I know some of you listening haven't been to church in a long time because you got burned, you got hurt, you got turned off by it. There's something about going to church and going to a church that you feel comfortable in, going to a church that teaches the Bible, going to a church that shows grace and mercy and love and and also talks about accountability. But there's something about going to church that helps you feel connected to something bigger than you. And let's face it, when you and I try to be the CEO of our own lives, we don't always do a good job with that. Many times, stress and anxiety that we feel in our life come because of decisions we've made independent of any other authority, idea, or input. And going to church is one of those places you can go and participate as little or as much as you want to, and yet be part of something bigger than yourself. So go to church. Talk to your friends who go to church. Find a place that might be a good fit for you. Number 13, this is another real tough one, water a plant. That's right, there's something about caring for plants that does a lot to help us manage our stress. It hasn't got to be anything big and fancy. As a matter of fact, my mother owned a nursery, my brother was a florist, and I have a black thumb. I'm not good with plants. I have to, whenever we purchase plants, I have to make sure it's something that's fairly hardy and something I can't kill off. But finding, having a plant you can water, maybe even having a small garden, those are things you can do that get you out of yourself and help you lower stress. Number 14, find a great view and savor it. I live in New Mexico and I haven't got to go 20 feet to find a great view. Growing up in middle Georgia, we didn't have those types of views. We had a thing called trees. And so to get a view, you usually had to go to a hill or look up. But I've traveled all across America, and every community has a great view. You just have to find what yours is. It might be the mountains. It might be a valley. It might be a meadow. It might be a river, lake, creek, or stream. But you find some of those views that you can go and look at and get so absorbed in that it causes you to relax. Part of what that does to us is it lets us see that there's something bigger than ourselves. And as we do that, it can help us relax. Now, I'm a photographer. That's one of the ways I manage my stress. And in my office, I have five or six large canvas of pictures I've taken over the years. And one's a big ram's head from up in lovely Colorado. One's a hummingbird from my backyard. One or some elk up in Estes Park, Colorado. And then I have four sunsets. And the beauty of looking at those things, of of nature and those views, is it reminds me that I'm part of something bigger than me. I'm a person created with purpose and dignity, and I'm unique, and I'm part of something bigger. And so one of the ways to lower your stress is to find a great view and savor it. 
Number 15, get a massage. Yes, most states have licensed massage therapists. And if you've never had a massage, you need to get one. If you've got some issues about being touched, get over it. Massage does a great thing for you. Number one, it's a safe environment. Number two, these are licensed professional therapists. And they know how to do the body work you need to do. And with massage, you'll find your muscles get relaxed. There are a lot of toxins and tensions in your body that are released. Matter of fact, whenever I have one, I just feel like if the massage therapist could just get a ladle and kind of scoop me off the table and pour me in a cup and send me home, that would be great. But massage by a licensed massage therapist can go a long way to help you reduce stress, untie some of the knots in your neck, shoulders, and lower back. And besides, it releases a lot of really good chemicals in your body. So number 15, get a massage. Number 16, and this might be a little bit of a challenge for you, but I want you to find some of these Avery file dots, the Avery label company. They make the labels you put on your files, your dress labels, things like that. They have a little file dot, a little marker dot. This is about a quarter inch wide. It comes in four colors. And what I encourage people to do is get some of those dots, put them in strategic places in your home and office, maybe on your phone, your pad, your screen, your tablet, your rear view mirror, your dresser mirror. And when you do that, you want to use that little dot to remind you to catch your breath, to pause, to slow down. There's a Bible verse, Philippians 4.8, that says, think on these things. Things that are good, pure, noble, honorable, acceptable. And what I encourage people to do is to get some of those quarter-inch dots. And if you struggle with stress, if you get blown away by worry and anxiety, use these little dots. Put them in strategic places. And when you place those dots there, think about that verse in Philippians 4.8. Think on these things, things that are good, pure, noble, honorable. You see, we always have a choice as to how we're going to think about things. What happens more often than not is we really don't believe we do have a choice, and we end up ending in places that aren't too happy. But as you begin to put those dots out, and as you place those dots in strategic places with the idea of, God, help me think on things that are good, pure, and noble. Help me think on things that are right. Help me think on things that are good. After about seven or eight days of doing that, and being intentional about thinking about thinking on good things, thinking happy thoughts, if you will, that dot will begin to become invisible. And what your brain will do is it'll see it without you really being consciously aware of it. And in doing that, it'll help you pull that stress back, slow the anxiety down, and tap down the worry. Number 17, this is a great tool you can use, and you don't have to be a clinician or a rocket scientist to figure it out. And that is, add 10 minutes to your estimated time of arrival. That's right. By adding 10 minutes to your estimated time of arrival, you're not as worked up and worried about getting where you need to be. Gives you time to compensate for traffic or to do some other things as you go to where you need to go to. So number 17, add 10 minutes to your ETA. Number 18, this is fun and this is a challenge for a lot of us. Hold your tongue. Now, I don't mean really holding your tongue like I'm doing now. But hold your tongue. When you want to answer someone quickly, slow down. The Bible says that God gave us two ears and one mouth. I guess we can do the the math from there. But do you know sometimes my brain will run behind my mouth? 
Sometimes my tongue is going so fast, my brain has to catch up with it. One of the best things you can do for that is just to slow down by holding your tongue, by pacing yourself, by thinking about what you're going to say before you say it. You lower stress, anxiety, and worry, and besides, you're less likely to offend or hurt someone with your mouth. Number 19, focus on the good in a situation. Robert Allen, a best-selling author, says this, that no thought lives in your brain rent-free. Nothing stays in your head rent-free. You see, you and I always have the power to choose what we're going to think. We can have good thoughts, and those good thoughts can take us to good places. It gives us a sense of optimism, a positive attitude, which leads to better health, which can lead to more income, which can lead to promotions, which can lead to more friends, because I'm positive. I'm future-focused. I'm developing optimism. I'm seeing the good in things and not focusing on the bad. Or I can choose to focus on the negative, as so many people do today, and this really concerns me, because we live more like Eeyore. Thanks for noticing me. Eeyore from Christopher Robin in the Hundred Acre Woods. See, if I choose to focus on the negative, if I go down that path of negative, non-productive thoughts, it'll cost me time, money, health, opportunity, and happiness. If I choose, on the other hand, if I choose to go a more optimistic route, one that's based on hope and a future with growing confidence and a feeling of competence, I'll focus on the positive I'll have positive thoughts that'll be productive thoughts. That will actually boost my time. It'll give me more time. It can increase my income because I have more of a positive attitude. I can have more opportunities. And the research shows us that I'll have better health. Number 20, go for a walk. That's right. Just take a walk. You haven't got to do cardio on this walk, but just go for a walk, 10, 15, 20 minutes. Enjoy that pace. Enjoy the air. Enjoy the outdoors and feel yourself unwind. Related to that is tip number 21. Walk barefoot in the park. Just watch out for the dog flops. That could be kind of bad. Let your feet feel the blades of grass. Let your toes wiggle in the sand. Sometimes just that walk in the park or that walk in the woods can do a lot to lower your stress, to release those good, good chemicals in your body, and to put you in a better place. Number 22 is our next one, and that is practice gratitude. This can take on several forms. The first thing you want to do is sit down with a pen and paper. Sorry, no keyboarding or tapping allowed. And for about 10 minutes, I want you to think about things that you're grateful for. It might be your job, your health your spouse, your children, boyfriend, girlfriend, your parents, any number of things, but be intentional about making a list of things that you're grateful for. Dr. Marty Seligman's research at the University of Pennsylvania has shown us that by practicing gratitude, we lower stress, we slow our brains down, and we actually add time to our life because we're being more reflective and more intentional. So be creative as you work on your gratitude list. Once you finish your gratitude list, then I want you to get a piece of paper and write a gratitude letter. I want you to think of two people that you're grateful for. It might be a spouse, a friend, a child, a mentor, a parent, a coach, and write them a gratitude letter. Let them know what impact they've had in your life. And it may go something like this. Dear Frank, in looking over my life journey, you came to mind. And I want to thank you for being a constant encourager in my life. Your words of encouragement and your insight have helped me become the person I've come today. I just wanted to take a moment and thank you for this. Your friend, John.
Something that simple. Number 23, get out of debt denial. With the changes in the economy over the past several years, so many people have gotten so far in debt. And that can be overwhelming. It taxes you emotionally, mentally, physically, and spiritually. So one of the things you can do is begin to come to terms with the fact that maybe you're out of control in your finances. David Ramsey and several others point a great way out of debt by giving you practical solutions. I would suggest that you look at Dave Ramsey's books and his material to help you do that. Because you see, by getting realistic about your financial situation, you can lower your stress, even if it's really bad. Once I become aware how bad it is, then I can begin to develop a strategy to get out of debt. That might involve hiring a financial planner, doing a realistic budget, but those are some things that you can do. You have the power to choose and the power to do to make the changes you need to make so you can get out of debt. So number 23, get out of debt denial. Number 24, drop the butts. If you're still smoking, quit. If you eat too much like I can do sometimes, eat less, exercise more. Look at making more healthy choices so you can lower the stress in your life and live a longer life. Number 25, trip silence. Now, for those of you that know me, you know that I can be a little ADD or a little ADHD from time to time. And so this is a tough one for me, but I do try to do it occasionally, and it really does help. Next time you take a trip, do so without any radio, CD, MP3 player, or Apple technology. Just drive in silence because trip silence can be a welcome break from time to time. Hey, thanks for listening. I am John Thurman. I'm the Get a Grip guy, and I'm a licensed professional therapist that lives in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And one of my goals is to help you get a grip on anxiety. Check out my website, www.johntherman.net, for more information about how to manage anxiety in your life. Thanks a lot, and have a great day.